We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast, All-Star Weekend edition. I am going to talk a little bit about the All-Star game, but most of this show is going to be devoted to the current situation with LeBron James. I had Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com join me to talk a little bit about everything that's going on with the LeBron James situation in terms of his relationship with the Lakers, clutch sports, them reportedly being a little bit upset with GM Rob Palenka for not pulling the trigger on a deal that would have sent Russell Westbrook and the 2027 first round pick to the Houston Rockets in exchange for John Wall, who just so happens to be a clutch sports client. Braun and I spent a lot of time breaking that down as well as what it means for the Lakers moving forward how they have to approach this LeBron situation from here, knowing that he has one more year under contract after this one. So we get into that. So I'm going to throw to that in a little bit. But first, we do need to talk about the All-Star game. And the All-Star game was excellent. And I say that as a guy who's not a fan of the All-Star game in general. I, I tend to not pay much attention to it because for most of the game, and this is mostly what we saw during this one too, uh, you, don't, you don't really see defense being played. It's just players getting out of each other's way so they can dunk and do things like that and some of them can be exciting sure but I like it when we see some actual competition and I will say that this whole Elam ending thing the target score if you want to put it at that it has been absolutely fantastic because it's taken me who again doesn't really enjoy the all-star game all that much and it's become something that I'm looking forward to and this one was an absolute blast and sure part of that was Steph Curry going berserk 16 threes like, are you kidding me? 50 points. That was incredible. He wound up being the MVP for team LeBron. He was absolutely fantastic. So that was fun to watch. But then you add in this Elam ending where you tack on 24 points to the score of the winning team or of the, the leading team, I should say, after three quarters. And you make that the target score. So it became 163 was the total first team to hit 163 points wins. And that's kind of the way that we played pickup basketball. Most of us, right. Who don't play at the professional ranks or anything like that. When we're just going to playing with our friends, we don't play four quarters. We don't play that way. We play first to 11. Most of us, that's, that's typical what we see in pick and pick up basketball. So it kind of adds that element to the game, but it also creates a situation where nobody's trying to run out the clock. Nobody's changing their play style down the stretch. And that's something, that's one of my pet peeves in the NBA game right now is how many teams, and we see the Lakers have done this in seasons past as well, 
how many teams get a lead and then with about oh about five minutes left in the fourth quarter they stop doing all the stuff that got them the lead because they're trying to run the clock and so you see them devolve into isolation basketball you see a lot of that you see a lot of well let's just give the ball to our best player everybody spread out on the floor try to create as much space as possible and then we live with the results but we want to take the shot as late as possible rather than hey let's keep doing the things that we've been doing to get the lead and so then we see teams come back in and, and things of that nature and then of course down the stretch you wind up with a lot of free throws especially if you have a team that is up say say you've got a team that's up to and there's 27 seconds left on the clock and that team gets the basketball. Well, the other team's going to foul and hope that they miss one free throw. And then you get into a free throw shooting game, right? For the final 27 seconds, it might take 10 minutes to play out that final 27 seconds because the team is fouling each other. Then let's say the team that was up makes one, misses one, right? So now you've got a three point game and the other team comes back down. Then the question becomes, do we foul? Do we foul the other team to stop them from being able to put up the three? The, the entire game is shifted so much. And that's not always a negative thing. We get some really exciting finishes in the NBA, but this particular style takes that away. It takes away the incentive to waste time. It takes away the incentive to foul teams on purpose and put them to the free throw line because the goal is not to have the highest score when time expires. The goal is to reach a certain score. So you have to keep being aggressive. You have to keep pushing on the offensive end in order to eventually get the W. And so that's a lot of fun. And the reason why I mentioned this is because Adam Silver has been very, very direct and very specific about they want a, a midseason tournament. They want to have that up and running. Now he did he did make sure that he mentioned that it might not literally be mid-season, but somewhere in season, an in-season tournament is something that they want to have. They want to have something soccer style and being a soccer fan, that's something that has some familiarity to me. It could be interesting if you could figure out a way, and I've said this for a while, to get the players to be bought into this whole in-season tournament idea. I think it could be a lot of fun. But if you're the NBA and you're looking to increase the fun, Put the Elam ending in the in-season tournament. We've already seen it successful in the All-Star game. Why not give it a shot in the in-season tournament? Give us something. Don't just give us more basketball games, except now there's some sort of a trophy on the line, and then you've got to come up with an incentive in order to make the players really want to participate. So a guy like, like LeBron, like Kevin Durant, these guys that are the tip-top of their games, don't just say, oh, this is a chance for us to rest. Right, So this isn't seen as this, this secondary, lower-level competition that isn't worth per participating in. You need to figure out a way to incentivize the players, but at the same time, make it its own thing. Give it its own identity and do that by making it an actual competition, not an all-star game that doesn't really mean all that much in the grand scheme of things. Make it its own competition and use the Elam ending, or if you want to put it this way, the target score ending it's just a lot of fun and i think it's a way to differentiate between the in-season tournament and regular season play and it'll just add that whole extra dimension while i'm on the topic and we're going to get into this with with keith smith over on the front office show i'm sure we'll talk all about this but the other thing is you've got to find a way to incentivize the players as far as this in-season tournament goes so you're going to have to put something significant on the line. Like, and we'll get into some different ideas. We're not going to do that today, but we'll get into some different ideas of what you could do to incentivize players to want to be in this in-season tournament. Is it a playoff spot? Could something like that 
be on the line? Could you put something else on the line? Is it, is it cash? Is there a big prize for the team that, that wins? There's a lot of different things that we're going to get into, and we will be addressing all of that over on the NBA front office show. But I digress. Back to the All-Star game itself. Again, a lot of fun. It erased some of the pain of the dunk contest, which is already being called one of the worst dunk contests of all time, and rightfully so. That was a snooze fest. We watched a lot of players simply not make dunks. That was the that was the main takeaway from the dunk contest was players not finishing dunks. So it was not very fun that one. But uh, three point shootout was a was a good one. Again, the All Star game though. That's what really wound up stealing the show. Which for me, that's usually not the case. For me, it's usually the Saturday night skills challenge that is the most fun. And then the All Star game is just kind of. Eh. It's, it's whatever, but like I said, this Elam ending has really changed things. I do want to mention the crowd in Cleveland went berserk for LeBron James. I mean, as expected, but they went crazy. And you have to imagine some of that is fueled by what we've heard over the last few days. These rumors that are starting to fly around. And it's not, it's not just rumors out of the shadows or anything. It's LeBron outright complimenting every other GM that he can find, it seems like. Kobe Altman, who is the GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers, by the way, so we should mention that. Uh, Sam Presti for the Oklahoma City Thunder. You've got, even outside of the sport, LeBron has been talking about these guys, Les Snead, and, and complimenting him for being willing to trade all those picks and everything. Clearly taking these little digs at the Lakers and Rob Palenka. Now we've got this question again, would LeBron go back to Cleveland? And LeBron said he wouldn't close the door on that. So now we go from it feels like LeBron's going to retire a Laker to now we know we don't even know how much longer he's going to be a Laker. And he also made it very clear that he's probably not going to retire a Laker unless the Lakers draft Bronny. Very matter of fact, said that he's going to finish his career wherever Bronny is playing. When he gets to the NBA, wherever Bronny is playing, that's where he goes and money will not be an issue. So LeBron sent a message to the entire NBA basically said, hey, if it's if it has to be the veteran minimum, I'll play for that. I don't care. I just want to play with my son. And more power to him, of course. Of course, why, why wouldn't you want something like that? But for the Lakers, that does complicate things. How much longer is the LeBron era really going to last in Los Angeles, given everything that's been going on? And now... There are, there's a new rumor that came out today from Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report suggesting that Clutch Sports is not happy indeed with Rob Palenka, once again, for not doing that trade to send Russell Westbrook and the first round pick, the 2027 first, in exchange for John Wall, who is a Clutch Sports client. So this could get very messy very soon, but Ron Gutterman and I went in-depth into that whole situation, so let me throw to that discussion that we had Right now, I hope everybody had a great all-star weekend. And let's buckle up because it's going to be a bumpy ride here as we go down this path with LeBron James. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. You're home for everything. Lakers, the latest on the LeBron James situation does not look good between LeBron and the Lakers front office, as well as clutch sports. We're going to dive into it and talk a little bit about what this is going to mean for the purple and gold moving forward. Joining me is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com. Ron, how are you doing? We knew this was coming eventually, but it feels like the tension between the Lakers, LeBron, slash clutch, clutch sports, it's just growing every day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to pinpoint when exactly the, the tide turned. Um, you know, a year ago, I feel like the conversation was, oh, the Lakers are run by clutch. Mm-hmm. And the Westbrook trade felt like one of those things where, okay, that was definitely signed off by clutch. And now very quickly, like all it took was half of a bad season. And now it's like over. I don't know. It it feels very unceremonious and sort of crazy how it turned out this way. Well, and just to update everybody, I did a video, I believe it was yesterday. Maybe it was the day before. At this point, it's all blurring together, but did a video recently with our guy, Mark Gunnels, explaining everything that had gone on to, to get to this point, essentially that you had all these different things that were coming between LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, in particular the the record this season, and a lot of it came down to LeBron wanting the Lakers to do something at the trade deadline, and now you've got LeBron mentioning these things, uh, praising GMs in other sports as well as other GMs in the NBA. It feels like a little kind of passive-aggressive comment geared towards towards Rob Palenka, and then he didn't close the door. He said the door's not closed on returning to the Cleveland Cavaliers, mm-hmm. Uh, it's just all these little things, knowing LeBron and how calculated he is with everything that he says, there's a purpose to all of this. And then we find out today from Eric Pincus, a Bleacher report that sources have told him that indeed clutch sports is not happy with Rob Palenka. And I think what's really interesting is the reason why they're not happy with him. They are specifically not happy with Rob Palenka because the Lakers did not trade Russell Westbrook and their 2027 first round pick for John Wall. Now, Ron, I have been, I've been from day one, pretty consistent that I don't feel like that's a good trade for the Lakers to have to sacrifice the 2027 first round pick to get John Wall. Why does clutch sports see this as such a a negative thing and something that, uh, that they don't like about Rob Palenka, him not making that move? Well, um, I mean, John Wall's clutch, uh, that that's That's probably a massive part of it. Yeah. Um, but LeBron and clutch sports, you know, from their perspective, you know, I want to give fair credence to both sides of this argument, even though I personally am on the side of that was a bad trade. They should like, it was the right move not to make it. Um, I want to lend some credence to the clutch side of things. They're probably thinking, you know, we're, we're running out of years for LeBron to maximize his value. And this team wasn't going to win. And so you kind of said, oh, we are not going to put all our chips on the table for this team because and and 
the reason they held up is because of a first round pick five years from now. Like from Clutch's perspective, that's basically saying you're giving up on the LeBron James era of the Lakers. I'm not sure how much I agree with that, but I, I think that's more that's the perspective I see from their side. And I think from there, I think John Wall being a clutch sports client is a big deal too, because of course for them, John Wall's not playing right now. He hasn't played in a year, right? We haven't seen him since last season. And that's part of the equation too. When you're looking at this from the Lakers perspective, what are you, what are you getting out of John Wall? Do you really know? Um, but from the clutch perspective, not only would you be helping things with the Lakers in terms of John Wall coming in, maybe they truly believe John Wall is a piece that if you swap Russell Westbrook for Wall, things would get better. Maybe, but you're also helping out John Wall by allowing him to resume his playing career because clearly that's not going to happen in Houston. If he comes to the Lakers, then boom, there you go. You kind of kill two birds with one stone, right? You're helping out LeBron James, giving him a better shot to win right now, plus you're helping John Wall. So from the clutch sports perspective, this is a no-brainer. I get that. But from the Lakers perspective, that's a lot. That's a lot for a team that doesn't have a lot of a lot of picks to surrender that. Just to swap out, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we saw a trade involving Russell Westbrook and John Wall where the picks had to be added to John Wall to get Russell Westbrook. So from the Lakers perspective, I can understand why they wouldn't want to make that move. And I also think it's fair to question, are we sure that swapping John Wall for Russell Westbrook would suddenly turn this team into a title contender? I would say it's it's more likely than not that it would not have had that impact. It's unlikely that just swapping out wall for Westbrook would have turned this Lakers team into a title team, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure if you ask LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Rich Paul, they would say, yeah, (laughs) John wall makes us a title contender, but that's because, you know, John wall is a clutch client. They're going to stand by their guy. So I don't blame them for that, but you know, looking at it from a more realistic lens, uh, the Lakers were probably in the right to not trade that pick. And I'm sure, and I, I don't know how far into the calculations, you know, the Lakers went, but I'm sure a part of their calculation was, is this worth it to risk angering LeBron and Clutch Sports? And clearly they felt they were willing to take the backlash from Rich Paul and from Clutch Sports. They thought they thought it was such a bad deal, is so not worth it that it was okay to take the backlash and, you know, wave the white flag on the season. And then we saw, of course, you know, the comments from Rob Palenka after the trade deadline saying that they were aligned, LeBron and Anthony Davis and, and the Lakers front office, they're all aligned in this vision. And then it comes out later that, of course, they're not, that that Clutch Sports was not happy. And now we're getting more specific that they're not happy that they didn't pull the trigger on this specific trade, which again, I, I think this was the smart move for the front office not to do this deal. It's possible this comes up in the future, but let's let's get into that. Where do we go from here? LeBron James is under contract for one more season. Next season, that's it. 2023, he's a free agent that summer. Not this summer, but next summer, he's a free agent. The Lakers can offer him an extension this summer. So what happens now? Now that all of this has been going on, are we setting ourselves up for a summer of maybe LeBron trade talks? I mean, where do we go from here? I, it's hard to think that the first time LeBron James would be traded is at age 37. <laughs> like, right. it's a very interesting conversation. I, I think the way I see it is 
the Lakers probably have a couple options. It's and they need to talk with LeBron about this. It's write out the contract and then we'll we'll figure it out next offseason when you're a free agent. And that probably means he's leaving. Mm-hmm. Um are tell us now if you plan on leaving so we can look for trades or sign an extension for one more year, which would take us to the summer of 2024 when uh, his son, who he said he is going to play with his son in his final year, um, that would be the chance for him to go wherever LeBron James Jr. is drafted in 2024. So that there's only a couple options here, and this summer needs to be the summer that it's decided, really. I think that the most important thing for the Lakers from from in terms of what they need from LeBron, it's clarity. That's the most important thing because the way that just from the Lakers perspective, the most damaging thing that can happen to the Lakers is if things are still unclear this summer, they go into next season without having an idea of what LeBron is doing in 2023, which by the way, LeBron has done this to teams for a long time, right? He's put teams in that position. I'm not saying that he shouldn't from his perspective, that's fine, but he held free agency over the head of the Cavs for years, right? The worst thing that can happen to the Lakers is they go into next season not knowing. So they don't trade him because you don't want to rock the boat. And then he leaves in the summer of 2023 and you get nothing. And you get nothing in return. If LeBron says, I'm going to stay for another season. Okay, great. Sign that extension. Let's do everything we can. Two more seasons, build around LeBron and AD. And then off we go from there. And then we'll figure out the plan after that. Or LeBron says, this isn't working. This didn't go the way I wanted it to. And now it's, you know, I want to go somewhere else. Okay, you can work with them and you can figure out a trade and then you get something in return. Again, the worst case scenario for the Lakers is you don't get that certainty this offseason and you go into next summer and then have him walk away for nothing. Yeah, so this this summer is a big summer because if LeBron says, hey, you know what, this isn't working, trade me. Now it becomes, now the people who have been saying trade AD now they actually have a reason to go trade AD because if you're trading LeBron, it does make some sense to gauge AD's value as well. Um, if they're keeping LeBron, there's absolutely it makes zero sense to trade Anthony Davis. Uh, but if you're already trading LeBron, it's it's wise to call teams and be like, "Hey, we're blowing it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who wants who wants Anthony Davis? Who wants Russ? Who who wants anyone?" Um, so th- this is kind of that opportunity. So, yeah, it just comes down to LeBron James going to the organization and having a discussion and and saying, are we writing this out until 2024 when my son is drafted or are we not writing this out and you're trading me now? Speaking of Russ, this this isn't a great look overall, because as Eric Pincus's piece mentioned, the Lakers were Rob Palenka. They were on the verge of pulling off the Buddy Heald trade. When LeBron said, no, I want Russ. He was on board. He, he believed Russ was going to work. And clearly it hasn't worked out the way that they they planned. But now LeBron pushed to get Russell Westbrook. And now he's upset that the Lakers or Clutch. I shouldn't conflate the two. Clutch Sports is upset that the Lakers didn't give up another first round pick to undo that Russell Westbrook situation. That they were a part of, of creating just, what, six months ago, a little bit more than that. So that part of this, I know, doesn't sit well with Lakers fans. And historically, we've seen this. We've seen teams who have had LeBron have burned through all their future picks in order to do whatever they can to help LeBron James win right now. And maybe rightfully so. When you, I mean, potentially the greatest of all time on your team, you do what you can do. 
but still you can understand why the Lakers would, would push back a little bit against that. The question though, has this now driven a wedge between the Lakers and clutch sports slash LeBron James to the point where now we're headed for a potential divorce. And like you mentioned, if it is, is it a complete split from clutch sports, which could mean Anthony Davis on the block. What does that mean for Taylor Horton Tucker? What we thought might be a fairly quiet offseason full of a lot of veteran minimum signings suddenly in the last week has now looked like, I mean, this could be massive for the Lakers, massive in terms of LeBron, Anthony Davis, the stars they have on the roster, and what this team, this franchise is going to look like moving forward. Yeah, I think I think this is like, if there was ever proof that uh, players do not make good uh, good GMs, well, we have our we have our one year of of bona fide proof that players are bad GMs for the most part, uh, because LeBron, you know, they they wanted uh, Rob Palinka and and the Lakers wanted Buddy Heald, and LeBron said, "No, I promise we can make this work," and almost everyone was immediately skeptical that they could make this work, and it it didn't work. And now LeBron's like, well, you know what? It's fine. Just get rid of another pick and make Westbrook John Wall. Problem solved. And it's like, well, no, you can't. It, it's not that simple. It, it's a much deeper decision than that. So, again, this is this is going to be a hectic offseason in terms of the conversations that need to happen behind closed doors. And I imagine it will be a very hectic offseason for people like us who are going to have to hear yeah. all sorts of conflicting rumors about what those conversations are. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let me let me finish with this, Ron. And this is a question that I'm that I know a lot of Lakers fans are going to be talking about. If we get to the point where LeBron does indeed leave this offseason, they find a trade for him, and that puts you into the Anthony Davis era. The plan from the beginning when AD arrived in Los Angeles was at some point this is going to be Anthony Davis's team. When LeBron rides off into the sunset, whenever that is, Anthony Davis gets handed the reins. How comfortable do you feel doing that? even without the clutch sports aspect, or does LeBron's exit immediately trigger a potential move with Anthony Davis as well and you completely rebuild and restructure, knowing that your 2024 or 2025 pick is going to the Pelicans, who, by the way, the Pelicans have to be celebrating seeing the way things are, are going down right now. But do you build around AD moving forward if LeBron decides after this season, see ya, I'm out? You know, as a player, I, I don't mind building around AD. I think AD and the sort of like the support, you, the supporting cast you tend to get being on the Lakers 
Lakers tend to get better supporting casts in free agency than other teams. So I think AD building around him it makes sense on a basketball level. But if the divide between the Lakers and LeBron and Clutch is so strong that they need to trade LeBron James, now you probably need to start looking at Anthony Davis trades too because Rich Paul is not going to say, oh, I mean, you did LeBron dirty, but that's just LeBron. Mm-hmm. You know, we're good. We're good with AD. That, that It's a package deal at this point. Um, they've really intertwined the, the two of them. So if, if you're trading LeBron because of the wedge between them and Clutch Sports, it feels only sort of like, you know, it only makes sense that you would at least gauge the market for AD. I'll say this. A lot of people have questioned how good of a general manager is Rob Palenka really? Is this all LeBron? Is, is, is he just doing what LeBron is telling him to do? What, where exactly is, does the power lie? We're about to find out. We're about to find out because the key to this whole situation is going to be the relationship with LeBron James and Clutch Sports. If you can mend fences, even if it's mend fences, meaning you work together to find a trade for LeBron James, that can be important. If it's men fences and you figure out what the future is going to look like with LeBron still on your roster, I'm sure the Lakers would love to have LeBron on their roster for the next few seasons and then figure out what you're going to do from there. That's fine too. What they can't do, and this is going to be up to, to Rob's skill in terms of how he manages the situation, what you don't want to do is drive a wedge and create a, a tense situation heading into the offseason and create more problems down the line. So we'll see what Rob can do in order to make this whole thing work. But as I said, I think the big thing to come out of all this is we're about to find out what kind of a GM Rob Palenka really is because this will be the true test of Palenka's abilities. Yeah, and I, you know, if you take a column, you know, of all the good, a T-chart of all the good moves and the bad moves that Rob has had, there's more bad than good to this point, but the good has been really good, you know. The good won the the championship. He, he is the he is the kind of GM where it's home run or complete disaster. That's that's kind of tough when you're talking mm-hmm. about LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but that's sort of been the type of GM that he's been over the last four years. It's hit it out, hit a home run, you nail every single free agent signing, you build a championship roster, and or it's all your signings are terrible, your trade was terrible, and your team is terrible. Like, there isn't really a, well, you know, they, it was a hit or miss. There, there isn't really any of that. There's no middle ground. And I don't know if that's what you want from the GM of a basketball team. As you're saying that, Ron, the thoughts in my head, like, is that a good thing? I don't know. I, didn't, I, think... I was not saying it is a good thing. I don't want anyone yeah. to think I was it's a good thing. That was definitely negative. I think you want, I think you want stability at the, at the top, typically. But we'll see. Again, this is now shaping up to be a very eventful offseason for your Los Angeles Lakers. We'll see where this all goes. I can only imagine what's going to come out over the next few weeks here as we continue on with the NBA season. But Lakers Nation, appreciate all of you for joining us here. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Ring the notification bell as well. And don't forget to follow the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, stay safe and see ya.